Hello again, everyone. Welcome into Kicks and Dribbles. I'm Dan McClay as we look at world football every week right here on the internet. And boy, I'll tell you what, what a week it has been. We had to uh, finish up the uh, club championship series, both of them, uh, this past week. And so we finally did, albeit a little bit too late because of this pandemic we've been going through. But my goodness, we had two excellent games to round out the championship season for 2020 with European club football. First, we had the Europa Championship on Friday, which came up against two interesting teams. You had Inter Milan on the one side with a lot of veterans and some good, good coaching from Antonio Conte, who's been around Europe forever. On the other side, we had a younger team, Sevilla from Spain with Julen Lupetegui. Lupetegui, of course, being from the northern part of Spain, the Basque country, and very intelligent, very good. He was a great player when he played. This is going to be an absolute great matchup because you had youth against experience. And what it came down to was who could move the ball better. And in the end, Sevilla was the one that could move the ball better. Inter Milan has got some great players. Of course, Romelu uh, Lukaku is my one of my favorites. The Belgian is a, an amazing player. He's somebody that is always overlooked. He shouldn't be. As far as I'm concerned, he's one of the top 10 forwards in the world. This guy is amazing. He can do it all. And uh, during the game, he was pretty much kind of kept uh, under wraps because the Sevilla defense was very, very mobile. The Sevilla team overall was very fast. They were faster afoot than uh, Inter Milan was. And I thought that uh, in, uh, Sevilla was the one uh, that was able to move the ball through the midfield with a lot more pace than Inter Milan. Inter Milan, of course, had great passing. They've got some great uh, players, uh, just an amazing team. But Sevilla is young. They were hungry, and uh, they came out and they showed it. Uh, going down the stretch, it was a great game. Lukaku did get a penalty kick. He converted in the fourth minute. It was one quick one nothing lead for Inter. But then after that, Sevilla just sort of took over little by little. Godin got a goal for Inter Milan. But then in the final minutes, around the 80th minute, it was Diego Carlos, the Brazilian, with a bicycle kick inside the penalty box that went off Lukaku's foot and misredirected and went into the goal. And uh, Sevilla ends up winning the game 3-2. to two. Again, a really good game. Antonio Conte deserves a pat on the back because uh, Inter Milan's going to move up to the Champions League next year, seeing how they finished second in the um, Serie A table uh, this past year. Julian Lubatege, on the other hand, gets a great pat on the back because he's got it a Sevilla team that has pretty much made uh, the Europa League their own. And uh, this team is young. They're hungry. they got some great talent. Uh, the young, the other two goals for Sevilla, he is an amazing player to watch. A great game, Sevilla 3, Inter Milan 2, Sevilla wins the Europa League Championship for 2020. Then this past Sunday, we had the final for the Champions League. And this was two storied franchises, to say the least. Bayern Munich going up against Paris Saint-Germain, PSG as they're commonly known as. What a couple of great teams to watch. These guys are amazing. The one-touch passing is just mind-blowing. The one-touch passing is beautiful. And if you ever have a chance, set your kid down or set your students down, get a tape of either one of these teams playing a game for about five minutes and show them how one touch passing through the midfield into the attack zone is done. This guy's put on a clinic. Daniel Orsato, the Italian, was the referee in the middle of the field. He did a great job, kept the game flowing. There's tempers did flare, as was expected, but he kept everything under control, threw out some yellow cards when they were needed, no red cards were thrown out. Both goaltenders, newer for Bayern Munich, and Kevin Nevis 
from uh, PSG played very, very well. In the end, it was a goal by Coleman in the 59th minute. A nice goal. It was uh, there in the in the uh, penalty box, and he was there when he had to be. He was in the right place, put it in the net. Bayern Munich comes away with a one nothing win over PSG wins the Champions League for 2020. Two excellent ways to uh, to round up the um, club uh, championship league uh, there in Europe. Uh, now, I should be telling you that for Bayern Munich and PSG to get where they were, uh, PSG shut out Leipzig a couple of days before that game, 3-0, and, P- and Bayern Munich shut out Lyon 3-0 as well in their game. So they uh, both were coming off 3-0 shutouts to get to that championship game. Again, two excellent games to finish up the European Championship Club League, and uh, we'll be going to it. Uh, already qualifications have started for Champions League and for Europa League for 2021. That's right, the qualifications. These are the pre-qualification rounds. These are the teams that they usually don't get there, but they have to play through a, a series of round robins in order to figure out who's going to advance. So those uh, games have already started. As a matter of fact, um, a couple of days ago on a Saturday, there was like 17 of those games all around Europe. So, yeah, they've already started. So um, it's, it's going uh, on pretty good. And speaking of uh, qualifications, uh, let's go to CONCACAF and let's talk about World Cup. Oh, yeah, World Cup is coming up. And we've been talking about this, when they were going to start. Well, CONCACAF has finally figured out what they're going to do. And, of course, the USA is in CONCACAF. And this is the way it's going to break down. The top five ranked teams in the world, as ranked in July, uh, and they belong to CONCACAF, have gone, I've already gone through to the final round. Okay. Now, you've got other teams in CONCACAF as well, and they need to figure out you know, if they're going to make it through. So CONCACAF has taken the remaining teams – which is about uh, 30 of them to say the least, or another uh, 24 of them, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. But you've got six groups with five teams each, okay? So Group A through Group F, okay? So they're going to play home-and-home games, and then the winner of Group A will play Group F to become team number W1. Then the winner of Group B will play the winner of Group E. That will be team W2. And then the winner of Group C will play the winner of Group D. That will be Team W3. Now, those three teams will be paired with the five teams that have already gone through. They are Mexico, currently ranked 11th in the world. USA, currently ranked 22nd in the world. Costa Rica, currently ranked 46th in the world. Jamaica, 48. And Honduras, ranked at 62. Those are the top five CONCACAF teams ranked in the world at this time. All right. So then they're going to go start uh, the round-robin play, and then the top three teams will automatically go through. The fourth-place team out of that uh, eight group of eight is going to have to play in an intercontinental playoff. They do that before, and usually that's with the, the winner of the New Zealand group over in the uh, Pacific. It's a one-game series. It's really kind of crazy because Honduras one year had to play a game in New Zealand. Both teams had to fly halfway across the world. Then three days later, they played in Tegucigalpa, or they rather played in San Pedro Sula. So um, crazy situation, but we'll see how it all shakes out. Now, as far as the USA is concerned, this is one of the more intriguing teams that you could want to have for a USA representative. This team is young. This team is somewhat hungry, but I think they need to be hungrier, okay? But they have got some great youth on their team. They have been playing in Europe. They've gotten some great experience, and of course, Everybody's looking to Christian Plissick to be our kind of uh, kind of our glue to keep that team going. Plissick, of course, playing in Chelsea, 
unbelievable. Just had a great year. He's Frank, one of Frank Lampard's favorite players, and he's an American. So that's a great, uh, great. Uh, you might say a feather in our cap because Christian Plissick is really doing well. Other USA guys are doing well as also. So uh, the USA has got a great uh, chance. Uh, they're they're looking good. They've got great youth, and I think there's all the confidence in the world for them to finish in the top three in CONCACAF qualifying. Now, a couple of dates you need to keep in mind. Mexico will play at USA in October of 2021. That site has not been determined yet. But Mexico will play here uh, in the USA October 2021. That's a World Cup qualifying game. Then USA has to play at Mexico January 2022 at Aztec Stadium. Let's hope that the USA has got a solid foot in the door to be qualified. So we don't have to go down there in Mexico and have to depend on an absolute win in order to get somewhere. Okay, we need to have our foot solidly in the door. All right, the last qualifying game for the USA will be uh, at Costa Rica. Uh, probably it'll be about uh, either three days after the Mexico game or about uh, four weeks after the Mexico game, depending. All right, so last qualifying game at Costa Rica, which again is a very tough place to play. So. Uh, by that time, I anticipate fans will be allowed in the stadiums, and uh, that could be a really tough game. So, again, let's hope the USA is at least qualified for uh, a position uh, when they go to that Costa Rica game. Because if they have to go down to Costa Rica and depend on a win, things could get dicey. Okay? So, that's the way it uh, sets out for the uh, USA as far as CONCACAF qualifying is concerned. Of course, whenever they start qualifying, we'll let you know about the games in advance. We'll give you the scores when they finish and let you know how they're doing. It's going to be very interesting. It's the same group of, of, of teams that we always play, but we need to show the CONCACAF that we are the USA and we are good. We are strong. Because in the past, we haven't had a real real good showing. Uh, we've got a great coach. So let's uh, let's move on forward. Uh, Mexico, I think Mexico's got some, uh, some, some holes in them, and I think Mexico can be had, especially by this USA team. This UA team has, the USA team has got to play smart, but they got to play fast. They got to pick up that pace. They got to get that ball moving on one touch situations, especially through that midfield, because Mexico likes to dominate that midfield. So let's uh, let, let's get it going. Greg Burkhalter, I think, has got a great uh, cast of characters to deal with, and uh, he's going to get the right people out there on the field. I just know it. And so USA is looking good for uh, UA World Cup qualification coming up. Now, speaking of teams that are uh, ranked in the world. Uh, for World Cup. Uh, this is the way the rankings have come out uh, last month in July. And uh, number one is going to kind of surprise you a little bit, not me, because I've always talked about this team and about how good they are. They've got great players and they always come in under the radar. But then when it comes to crunch time, like maybe the quarterfinals of the uh, of the World Cup, they always seem to kind of maybe just wilt a little bit. And I hope it doesn't happen this time because this team is very, very strong. Number one in the world is Belgium. Belgium has got some great players. De Bruyne, who plays for Manchester City. You've got Courtois, the goaltender. You've got uh, Vincent Company, who's at midfield, uh, center, uh, center defender. You've got Lukaku, Romelu Lukaku, great center forward, who's a guy I think is just one of the most amazing soccer players in the world. Belgium has got personnel. Belgium has got talent. Belgium needs to learn how to put the team away. And when they get to that higher level, don't worry about what level you're at. Put the team away. So we'll see if Belgium can maintain that number one ranking. Number two in the world, no surprise, France, their neighbor. 
which is going to make for an interesting debate, I'm sure, in many a Belgian and French coffee shop, for sure. Number three in the world, no surprise, Brazil. Number four, a little bit of surprise here, England. Uh, we'll see if they can hold on to that ranking. Number five, Uruguay. Number six, Croatia. Of course, after the last showing in the World Cup, doesn't surprise me Croatia maybe isn't a little higher. Number seven, Portugal, of course. Number eight, Spain. Uh-huh, I go along with that. Number nine, Argentina, of course. And then number 10, Colombia. Colombia's got a good, young football team. Colombia could surprise people coming in, going into that South American qualifying, which, by the way, starts in about a couple of weeks. So we will keep you posted on that. As a matter of fact, the first round of South American qualifying uh, is going to be here in about uh, seven to eight days. So we will have the scores for there for you there. But those are the top 10 teams in the world right now. Belgium, France, Brazil, England, Uruguay, Croatia, Portugal, Spain, Argentina, and then Colombia. Those are the top 10 teams in the world right now in world football. Speaking of qualifying, uh, we've got African Cup of Nations and World Cup qualifying coming up. Now, because of the pandemic situation and many of the games that were canceled, Africa has decided to take their Cup of Nations and the qualifying for World Cup and combine them into one tournament. So we will be having... uh, the scores on that, and they're going to put them all into lump all the uh, teams into one uh, kind of big super pot and uh, put them into different groups and then have the round robin go from there and then break it on down to see who's going to qualify. There are five slots up for grabs from Africa for the World Cup. Okay, let's bring it on home a little bit closer to MLS. Uh, Last uh, Monday on the 18th, uh, Toronto played Vancouver. Of course, this was all these games uh, are now being played in their uh, home uh, venues but uh, with no fans. Toronto shut out Vancouver 3-0 in a battle of Canada. Then on Wednesday, uh, no, rather make that Thursday, the 20th, uh, New York Red Bulls shut out New York City uh, FC 1-0 at Red Bulls. Uh, Columbus hosted Chicago Fire and won that game 3-0. New England and the Philadelphia Union were tied at zero in the final result. Then on Friday, the 21st, Cincinnati hosted D.C. United. That resulted in a 0-0 tie. Sporting KC went on the road to Minnesota United. That was a 2-1 win for KC. Dallas and Houston played in Houston. 0-0 draw there. The Vancouver Whitecaps went on the road to Toronto uh, and played them another again, and uh, Toronto won 1-0. Then the LAFC um, on the 22nd hosted the LA Galaxy. That was a 2-0 win for the Galaxy. Nashville went to Atlanta United. Atlanta won 2-0 at home. It was Inter-Miami against Orlando City in a uh, Florida matchup. Inter-Miami winning at home 3-2. Real Salt Lake going on the road to Colorado, beating the Rapids 4-1. Then uh, on Sunday the 23rd, it was Seattle shutting out Portland in Portland 3-0. So that's the latest on the MLS right now. Action underway, and of course the stadiums do not have any fans at this point, but uh, they are playing soccer for the next season. Now, in MLS, the uh, standings show uh, this way. Uh, We've got in the East, Columbus winning uh, with 16 points, followed uh, closely by Toronto with 15 points. The New York Red Bulls are in third place at 10, then Philadelphia Union at 9, Orlando City at 8. In the West, it's Sporting KC leading the division there with 15, Minnesota FC right behind them with 11, then Portland with 10, LAFC with 9, and the Seattle Sounders have 8 points. So that's the latest on MLS action from the past week. Mexico's got their league underway. Um, Leon shut out, or rather defeated Tijuana 2-1 in Leon on Monday the 17th. Then they took a few days off. The whole league did. And then Friday the 21st, they got back into action. 
The Coxa hosted Santos. The Coxa winning 2-1. to one. It was Leon traveling to the border to play Juarez. That game ended in a 0-0 draw. On the 22nd, uh, Atlas hosted Caretero 1-0. They won. Uh, Tigres and Pumas, it was the battle of, uh, well, one of the battles of Mexico City and Monterrey. Tigres hosting the game and ending in a 1-1 draw. Rayados went to Mexico City to play America in Aztec Stadium. Monterrey Rayados coming away with a win, a very uh, solid win indeed, 3-1. Then on the 23rd Sunday, Toluca hosted Chivas, and Toluca winning that game 1-0. It was Cruz Azul from Mexico City going up to the middle of the country to San Luis Potosi, and uh, they defeated Atletico San Luis 3-1. Puebla traveling to Tijuana. That was a long flight for Puebla, I can tell you that. Uh, Tijuana winning that game in Tijuana 1-0. So that's the leg uh, look at the Mexican League. We'll uh, check the standings next week after another set of games are played. And then a European League has already started up uh, with uh, games, and that's the French League, League 1. Uh, on the 21st, Bordeaux hosted Nantes in the first game, and that was a 0-0 draw. On the 22nd, it was Dijon hosting Angers, and Angers winning 1-0 on the road. Then Rennes went to Lille, and that was a 1-1 draw there. Now, on Sunday the 23rd, Monaco was home to Reims, and that was a 2-2 draw. Uh, Nimes hosted Brest, that was 4-0. Uh, Nimes winning that one. Lorient hosting Strasbourg, that was a 3-1 win for Lorient, the home team. And Nice winning at home against Lens. Score there was two to one. This past weekend, of course, there's been a bunch of friendlies being uh, played all over Europe. I believe on Saturday there were something like uh, 35 friendlies played all throughout the European area. But European friendlies of note from this past weekend: Fortuna Dusseldorf took on Bochum uh, FC. That's from the second uh, division of uh, Bundesliga, and Fortuna Dusseldorf won that game one nil. Borussia Dortmund traveled over to MSV Duisburg. That was a 5-1 win for Borussia. Uh, no uh, word whether uh, I think Highland played in that game. I kind of doubt he might. He may have seen a little bit of action, but they probably kept him mostly on the bench so he wouldn't get injured. Again, this is just a friendly. Uh, Everton, uh, up in the uh, Premier League, traveled over to Blackpool, which plays down in Division Two, And uh, Everton, or rather I should say the Championship League there in England. And uh, Everton and Blackpool went to a 3-3 draw. Eintracht Frankfurt traveled to PSV over there in Holland. That was a 2-1 win there. And then Liverpool, the reigning EPL champions, traveled to Stuttgart, and they played that game, Liverpool winning there 3-0. That was, of course, EPL against Bundesliga in that. So once again, recapping, uh, boy, it's been an exciting uh, conclusion, even though it was kind of uh, jammed together, but it was kind of an exciting conclusion to club soccer in Europe for 2020. Uh, Sevilla coming away as the Europa League champion with a 3-2 win over Inter Milan. And then uh, Bayern Munich shutting out PSG in a great game on Sunday, a real classic. Uh, 1-0 was the final score there with uh, Coleman getting the uh, winning goal for Bayern Munich in the 59th minute. So we've had some great uh, soccer action from club uh, level uh, this past week. However, coming up here in the next couple of weeks, I guarantee you we are going to have some uh, in, some uh, country action because we've also got the UEFA uh, League of Nations uh, coming up here in a few weeks. That's going to be all paired together with the uh, World Cup qualifying and all that. They're going to bring it all together into a, a single pot. So you've got African Cup of Nations. You've got uh, Europa League of Nations. It's going to be a lot of uh, countries playing each other here in the next couple of months. 
to get the uh, ball rolling for a World Cup qualification for Qatar 2022. So we will keep you posted on all those scores and let you know how the teams are doing. That's it for Kicks and Dribbles this week. I'm Dan McClay. Thanks so much for tuning in. Lauren McClay, of course, is our um, technical producer. John Dang does a great job handling the sound. And DC McClay is in our ideas department. Once again, we will have uh, Kicks and Dribbles for you next week. A lot more soccer action coming along. We've got the qualifications starting to ramp up. So tune in for that. In the meantime, please wash your hands. Social distancing, very important. We can beat this pandemic together. And please... Don't let your life have too many yellow cards.